0: The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org.
1: Hello, everybody. Uh, I want to say thank you for tuning in with us today. Uh, Got something a little different, a little special. I've got a group of friends here with me. Uh, Many of you know uh, several of them, but for those of you that don't, I just as I was praying about the sermon series that we have been doing and my teaching for today uh, In light of the circumstances that have been unfolding in our nation I just felt like God impressed upon my heart to go a different direction for today And so I reached out to these friends uh, these church leaders that help us lead our church family And invited them to be a part of a discussion today. My hope is that your heart is open to hear from the Holy Spirit Uh, the words that he has given us are as true as they were then and they're just as true now jesus is the same yesterday today and forever and his word is true and his call on our lives is no different and the circumstances that have been unfolding are circumstances where his truth is now needed more than ever and so as you hear from us please uh uh, our hope is that your hearts will be open to hear not our words, but God's words and what the Holy Spirit may be saying to you. Um, first of all, this is Jared, my new son in law, <laughs> and he's also the director of our student ministries. And his hope and heart's calling is to lead the next generation to be the church that God has called them to be. And so um, I'm glad to have him here with us today. Next to him is uh, our associate pastor and my brother. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got a family theme going on here. Um, <laughs> Gary uh, is one of our, our pastors who helps us with all aspects of care ministry. And he's a great, a passionate speaker and teacher and pours into all generations in our church. There isn't many people who haven't been affected and touched. And a number of years ago, um, even before Gary was married, he shared with me that he felt one day he might be taking care of adopted children and now he has several adopted children in his own family Uh, one of his adopted sons is an african-american and another one is a biracial child and so CJ and Trey are wonderful children in his life and in our church family and he's going to be sharing with us from his heart then we've got Rodney one of our Bible study leaders and one of the leaders in our uh, our church who is uh, very passionate about the word, uh, a, a great uh, uh, scholar and studier of the word. Uh, I enjoy hearing from him often every Wednesday morning in our men's group, and uh, I've asked him to come and share with us from from his heart as well. And one of our pastors, David Young, also one of our Bible study community group leaders, is here. He also leads a ministry we started called Hope for Nova. And so I'm just uh, considered a privilege. Thank you for being here with us to share with our flock and our community. And um, I just want you to hear from us that, first of all, we believe that uh, the church is here for a reason. Uh, The things that happened this past week, we cannot just sit idly by. We have to speak into them that uh, Micah chapter six, verse eight Says that the things that God requires of us is to, to love kindness, to do just, justice, and to walk humbly with our God. And so how do we love kindness? How do we do justice? And how do we walk with God the way he's called us to walk? And I hope that through our discussion today, you uh, hear from us some practical things, more importantly, some spiritual things that we're called to put into place. To make a difference in the world where God has placed us, to be his light shining in the midst of this darkness, uh, and to be uh, loving God with all that we are and loving our neighbor completely as we love ourselves. And so I'm excited for you to hear from our heart. Uh, As I was sharing with Rodney earlier this week, he sent me an email, uh, a letter from Martin Luther King that I I had not yet read. Uh, a powerful letter written while he was in prison in Birmingham. And I've asked him to share kind of from that letter and some of his own thoughts. So, Ronnie, will you start us off?
2: So I just start off reading here. So often the contemporary church is a weak, ineffectual voice with an uncertain sound. So often it is an arch defender of the status quo. Far from being disturbed by the presence of the church, the power structure of the average community is consoled by the church's silence and often even vocal sanction of things as they are. But the judgment of God is upon the church as never before. If today's church does not recapture the the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity, forfeit the loyalty of millions, and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century. Every day, I meet young people whose disappointment with the church has turned into outright disgust. John. Okay, yeah. So we want you to hear that our
1: hearts hurt with those who are hurting. We, we hurt because of the the tragic unfolding of events that happened this week and have happened throughout history and, and the church can't just sit by. We cannot just sit by. We are the church and we have a voice. And um, what came out of the letter that Martin Luther King wrote, he said, the reason I'm here in jail uh, in Birmingham is because a lot of the churches here are not doing what we're called to do. We cannot just be silent voices. We have to, we have to be a voice. We have to call out injustice when we see it. And um, my hope is that we would be able to have a proper understanding of what that looks like as individuals, as an organization, as a church. And, and so we're going to do what we can to make that happen. So, um, Rodney, were there other things that came from that letter or just from your heart that you want to share with us
2: about what we can do to make a difference? Well, I I think when we look at this letter, Martin Luther King was actually writing to other pastors about their involvement or lack thereof in the civil rights uh, struggle that was going on in Alabama, specifically Montgomery at that time and his concern was truly that the church was not an active participant his concern was that as he laid out all of these arguments of why there was this whole underpinning of we cannot wait any longer for things to be correct because he also makes the statement waiting or that word wait has now been defined as never so we must take that take that same uh, position that we can't wait as a church we have to get it uh, active we have to get moving out on supporting those whatever the situation may be where there is social injustice as we talk about this situation uh, that we're going through in Minnesota we point to the African American community but we could appoint uh, to the American Indian we could appoint to the Hispanic community as a church wherever there is social injustice We cannot just sit by and go with the flow. So that's what you see throughout this letter. He makes a great argument about it. And I would encourage, if you haven't read this letter, pull it up online and take the 20, maybe 30 minutes, if you're slow reading like myself, (laughs) to go through it and see the heart of this great man of God as he was spurring the nation on to the greatness that it could eventually achieve.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and and we want to be a place of encouragement that, that helps equip you to um, have a broader, deeper understanding of what God's voice uh, is saying to us and calling us to, and to also be uh, surrounded by godly leaders that have come before us uh, and that are around us now. And so as As a church, we want to give you some opportunities to plug into some groups. Uh, We're actually thinking that we're going to start uh, a couple groups that deal with this topic of of anti-racism, of how we can uh, be educated and equipped to make a difference. And so we'll be encouraging you to do some readings of letters uh, like the one that we've just quoted from, Martin Luther King's letter while while in jail. And also some good books. There's a couple good books that we're going to be looking at. There's a book called, what's it called? Be the Bridge by Bernice King, Martin Luther King's youngest daughter. And so in addition to the Zoom group that we're going to start, where we can educate ourselves, encourage each other to go deeper, we're also going to be doing some studies in our ministries. And, and one of those studies is based on this book by Bernice King. Tell us about that. And, and also just tell us what's on your heart about, you know, what happened this week with with um, George Floyd and, and, and the tragic situation uh, that, that happened there. Go ahead and talk to us, Chair.
0: So it was interesting, uh, just this morning, a student called Gary and I, um, all about this George Floyd situation and a lot of the tension and the confusion that's been going on. And it brought me back to my own time in middle school and in high school, um, just walking in and, seeing the different crowds a lot of times that were based on race or based on culture and figuring out, okay, where do I fit in? Mm. Like I'm black, so I just hang out with the black people? Or like, what is this kid's idea of what a, a black student is like? Um, and just over the last few weeks, we've even seen other students in the youth group have the same questions, or mm. dealing with the same things. And I think Breed the Bridge is a great opportunity to start having those conversations. Um, we know that students in our church and our communities are wondering the same things that we've been wondering how do how do we fit into these crowds in our schools how do we deal with the tension that's there there's so much tension of oh I could be being here in northern Virginia with a lot of different cultures I could be uh, in a classroom or in a chorus class or in a math class with kids who act different than me that look different than me and there could just be underlying tension and if you want to figure that out if you want there to be healing uh, and love you have to figure out how to have a conversation about it and so i'd love to invite all of our students to uh, take part in the small group study and be the bridge it's all about uh, how can we be the bridge to our neighbors how can we build build a bridge toward understanding and toward healing Um, and so i'd love it if any student or any parent if they could just post in the comments below say build the bridge uh, we'd love to get in contact with you and your student and get started on figuring out how to have these conversations and, and have healing. That's awesome. 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 Thank you, man.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Gary is here and um, one of our uh, our pastors and uh, Gary, in your home, I know that the events that unfolded this week led to some conversations. Uh, not only do we need to be a church that's actively trying to equip one another, but uh, more importantly, we need to be doing what we can to pour into our families, into our children. Mm-hmm. And so, Gary, um, just share with us how you took this into your home as a father and poured into your children. You know, we we as a
3: family uh, spend time together to talk about these things, and I believe in your home it should be a safe place to talk about these things and. This is the right place to look at scripture and the right place to feel comfortable to share these things in a safe environment. And I asked the kids right away if they knew about it. Obviously, they have. And so obviously, they had opinions of it. And obviously, um, my family being mixed, uh, we had different thoughts. And so we said, well, we're going to watch it. And we right now are going through the book of Proverbs as a family and reading each day of the month, uh, the chapter, and it just so happened yesterday, was chapter 28. So we read that and focused on that, if that was the right day. Whatever the 28th was, I'm, I'll jack up in my head. But um, talking about these things really kind of made it real in the family. My boys, coming from Texas, we didn't really have to deal with feeling the, the effects of feeling like Prejudice am I saying that we're right
1: prejudice uh, yeah. prejudice and mm-hmm.
3: but coming here my boys have really tasted it
1: mm-hmm.
3: and I haven't seen that and even CJ in elementary I've already had several phone calls from the school that my son is either been a part of something that was a, a racist type of situation or these things and so my kids have felt this my other son Trey Uh, has had felt the same thing and he's uh, biracial. So he's had both spectrums where he's felt, am I black or am I white? And some of his friends said, you need to pick what color you are because you just live with white folks, so you're definitely not black. And CJ is clearly African-American, so he's solid that. And it's like Trey is in this situation where he has to pick and he's really battling this struggle Mm. But to look at that now from their point of view and watching this live with my children and seeing out of all of us, CJ start to cry. It really just broke my heart to think, why are they doing that dad to that man? He didn't do anything wrong. We don't know what he did. And regardless what he did, it does not give us the right as humans to go suffocate another human being for any reason, whether he shot two people or stole a pack of gum. It's not right. It's not, that's not godly. It's not, even if we're throwing Jesus out the window, that's not justice. And that's not right. And that wouldn't be done to another individual. And so we began talking about this. And I said, guys, what do you think should happen? Do you think these things were right? And Evan is our quiet one. And he spoke up and had a lot of good things to say to my children. And and I said, do you think the bystanders that were videotaping it were okay? And what were your thoughts with that? And and Evan said, Dad, I think I would've um, done more than just videotape. I think I would've ran over there and took the guy down. <laughs> and, and I said, I want my children, this is the one time I want them to stand up for what is right, that we don't tolerate it, we don't let it go. We don't turn a blind eye to it, but we stand up and say, and we speak for those that can't speak is what God's word says. And I want to read a verse to you. It says this, so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and diver- uh, deprived generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. Are we teaching our children to be bright bright? And illuminate and shine Christ? Or are we teaching them to be cowards? Earlier in that chapter in Proverbs, it says, The righteous are as bold as a lion. And if we're going to be bold and courageous, that means when someone's being treated unfairly, we stop that injustice. And just earlier that day, my daughter was riding her skateboard down the hill, and Trey was hearing some people rag her and whatever you want to say these ugly things to her and it was right for Trey to stand up and call them out and say don't treat my sister like that and we should be teaching our children to do that we should be making that a priority in our homes in our churches that it doesn't matter the skin color or someone being bullied that we don't tolerate it and we lay down the line this is the one reason we stand up for those that can't speak
1: thank you Gary we uh um we have principles that are clearly laid out in the scripture. And, um, the book of James tells us not just to be hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. And the book of James also tells us that the kind of religion that God desires is the religion that takes care of uh, the orphans and the widow. And those who are in need and without. And we believe that there is... Um, There is real physical poverty, and there's also spiritual poverty. There is uh, people who struggle to uh, have their basic needs met and to have their social needs met. And we believe that as a church, we don't only want to build our life on basic principles and say, you know, we wish everybody the best, but we want to get our hands dirty. We want to be the physical hands and feet of Jesus and get involved Uh, and social justice movements and making a difference in people's lives and not just praying for people's needs, but actually meeting people's needs. And one of the ways we do that is by often getting involved in our community uh, and finding ways to meet needs. And and one great way we do that is through an organization we started as a church called Hope for Nova. Pastor David is the, the leader of our ministry, Hope for Nova, and he has a few words to share with us as well david thanks john so
4: one of the scriptures that i read early on in my uh, christian life uh, was jesus talking about our actions towards others i just want to share them with you briefly he says i was hungry and you gave me food i was thirsty and you gave me something to drink i was a stranger and you welcomed me i was naked and you clothed me i was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous people who were astonished by this ask him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or when did we see you naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, Whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. You know, a lot of times um, we have been uh, familiar with churches who really want nothing to do with social justice. In fact, the whole term social justice is a negative term mm. uh, in some of the churches that we're that we're all, all acquainted with. Their feeling is that, that those kinds of social issues are, are not spiritual issues that they're not part of the church's area of concern jesus was very clear that he is among us in those who are sick those who are incarcerated those who are strangers that means those who simply don't fit in they don't look like us they don't talk like us they're not from around here Um, all of those people Jesus said, and the way we treat them is the same way, Um, it's as if we treat him that way. And what kicked off this whole discussion, really, or what brought it to a head right now, uh, was the recent events in Minneapolis. But this really isn't about Minneapolis, Mm -hmm. and it isn't limited to a racial black and white issue. It's about loving people in general, And it's about getting along, and and a spiritual issue is that we are to exemplify Christ. And so um, um, we could talk about George Floyd in Minneapolis, but then it comes home, and we really have to look at the people around us, and who are the George Floyds in our community? Mm -hmm. Who are the ones in our community who are oppressed, whose rights are being trampled on? Um, we could look at the undocumented um, aliens, the undocumented immigrants. We could talk about uh, people who simply don't fit in, whether it's at school or in the neighborhood. And all around us, there are people who who are being uh, persecuted, who are feeling hurt, who are feeling uh, downtrodden and left out. And those are that's our mission field. And we certainly hurt. Um, uh, for the man and his family in Minneapolis, uh, but to look around us and say, who in our community and who is God stirring us to? And not just can we feel bad for them, but what can we do? And we've all shared here about speaking up for those who are hurting, speaking up for those whose rights are being violated, but we also need to look at preventive measures, uh, and I think that, that that's been touched on in, in each of these cases as well, knowing that those things happen, that they do happen, and they will happen in the future. What are the preventive measures that we can take uh, to spread the idea that it's not okay? What are the preventive measures that we can take to improve relationships between groups in the community and relationships with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, what we don't want to do here is, is go off a deep end with a very negative view of law mm-hmm. enforcement in yeah. general, right. although that's where some of the abuses often come up. Mm-hmm. But what are the uh, preventive uh, measures that we can take to strengthen relationships between law enforcement and the community and various um, elements and groups within the community and we see that in neighborhoods, we see it in uh, schools as Gary mentioned, uh, and throughout society we are fractured. We're fractured on race, on culture, on religious issues, And so rather than wait till somebody dies, Mm -hmm. um, what are the preventive issues that we as a church and that we as individual believers can make um, to diffuse those issues uh, before they get there? I believe that's where God is calling us as a church, is to speak out for those who are unable to do it on their own, to take a long-term view, and to bring healing before it... uh, before it degenerates into that kind of a crisis.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, through our Hope Runover Over Ministries, we're doing a number of things to try and build those relationships and, and help reach those in need, uh, providing basic supplies and food and coats and clothing and English and second language classes. And and simply just a safe place for students to come and hang out at our Hope House and just be the hands and feet of Jesus and love people and build bridges. And so I'm grateful that we are able to have that kind of ministry where we put our faith into practice. And so thank you for leading us in those And John, ministries. one of the things we're doing there, as you know, and I think
4: one of the failures of church missions in the past is that we took the gospel to people and tried to dump it on them mm-hmm. rather than to include them. Mm-hmm. And one of our strongest uh, emphasis at Hope for Nova. Is to bring people from the community in and get them involved and teach them uh, to be self-sustaining and that we partner along with them we don't just do things for them mm-hmm. but we partner along with them and get them involved both at the grassroots working level and at the leadership level and we're making great strides at hope Over to get community people Some of whom do not go to church. Some of whom do not know Christ as Savior. We're working on that. But even prior to that, just bring them in, get them involved, and help them be included
1: in what it is that we're doing there for them. That's great. That's great. This issue that is before us is not just a societal issue. Uh, It's a sin issue. Uh, At its root and at its core, we are all fallen, broken people. we are all in need of forgiveness and a savior and we have to realize that we can't just address this in a societal way Uh, we have to address this spiritually so Ronnie you tell us a little bit about how we as the church are called to
2: do just that so and and as I think back to the thing that I read from Martin Luther King uh, when he was talking about this church that was not effective that was just a bystander that was becoming Uh, Irrelevant. And I believe that that is because that church at that time and many churches today have forgotten about this idea of spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. This is what the word says from Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. So, and and, and as we've been talking, it is not the individual that that we're fighting here. We're fighting this whole idea about the, the sin nature that is in each and every boy and girl from the time they depart out of their mother's womb. The Bible says that, they, that we were even very conceived in sin. And so with this sin nature, there is only one source of victory and that's through Jesus Christ. That's right. And we the church need to understand that we have been equipped with the word, with other believers, with the Holy Spirit, so that we can go out and fight this battle. And I'm not talking about picking up clubs and sticks and broom handles and guns and marching down the road, screaming and hollering and all of that stuff. But what I am talking about is getting the understanding of what's in this word. What I am talking about is us falling down upon our knees so that we can then be empowered with the Holy Spirit so that when we stand, we can fight this spiritual warfare with the greatest tool that we have, love. That we can love our brothers and sisters, Mm -hmm. our neighbors. That we can love the stranger or the one that's been in prison. So that we can love the African American, the the white American, the Hispanic, the the Asian. Mm -hmm. So those things kind of disappear from our viewpoint and our lens because we understand that there's a great war that is going on. A war that actually happened before the foundations of this world where Satan and his spiritual forces decided to go to go against the most powerful and omnipotent God and his forces. And we need to understand that he is down here fighting a losing battle, but his whole hope is to take as many casualties with him as he can and drag them to hell. And our job as a church of God, as saints of God, is to, to side with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit, join his forces and his team and fight this battle mm-hmm. so as we engage in this remember it's not that white police officer yes the white police officer was a perpetrator of that heinous crime, it's not this uh, uh, black kid that might have shot somebody even though that black kid perpetrated that per- crime it's not this uh, Hispanic person that might have raped them it's none of that, they are being used as instruments of Satan And until we can share the gospel with them and enlighten them so that they no longer follow the lust of their flesh, but follow the living God and creator, Jesus Christ, we're always going to be on the losing side. Mm -hmm. But we can change this with with your help, with your prayers, and with all of us coming together as one mighty force called the church of the living God. Mm -hmm. That's right, that's right. And so,
1: you might be listening today and coming at this from different perspectives. Um, you, on, on one hand, uh, there may have been something shared here that, that connected with you, and we'd love to hear with you about whether it's how you can be a better parent at home and help raise your kids and these truths and these <clears throat> principles, or how you can partner up with one of the programs we'll be starting, or the Zoom calls, where you can get educated about How you can make a difference, but ultimately it comes down to where each of us are with our God and our creator. And as Rodney says, that's where where it begins. The brokenness and the, the fallenness in our world is a result of the sinfulness in each of us. And the only true cure for that is understanding our need for forgiveness and our need for a savior. Jesus came and he took our sins upon himself. He lived 33 years on this earth, having never sinned, having set an example for us in the way that we should live, but not just so that we can try our best to follow after him, but to realize that we are not good enough. We are fallen. We are broken. We are sinners in need of salvation. Mm -hmm. And so if you are at that place of realizing that you are broken, that you are fallen and that you need God's love, his grace, his forgiveness in your life. And the scriptures say that the moment that you believe in your heart, that 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 you need him, the moment you're willing to call out to him as Savior and Lord and confess with your mouth that you want him, he will come into your life and make you new. And so if that is the step you know you need to take today, I just want you to pray with us right now. Father God, we thank you for being a God of love and of mercy and a God of justice. And because you are a God of justice, you do not let sin go unpunished. Mm-hmm. And so you took the punishment that was due to all of us. And you took it upon yourself when, when when you sent your son, Jesus, to the cross to take our sin and shame upon yourself. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for us. And I pray, God, for those who are praying right now that are calling out to you in need of you as savior and lord that they would say jesus thank you for dying for me come into my life make me new mm-hmm. teach me what it means to follow you help me to set aside trying to live life my own way to try and solve problems my own way and help me to learn to depend on you and to let you come into my life and change me and make me new in your name i pray Amen. If you prayed that prayer today to receive Jesus as your Savior, let us know, send a direct message to us. We would love to connect with you and show you some great next steps you can take to grow in your faith and learn to experience the fullness of life that he has for you. In addition to the talk that has just begun, we've just barely touched the tip of the iceberg on this subject. We're going to have some Bible studies, some community groups that will go deeper into these subjects. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be starting a sermon series in a week or two on the subject of how we can be the kind of neighbors that God truly wants us to be. And uh, I'm excited about those resources that will be coming your way. And we, again, just want to thank you uh, for being the church and being willing to not just people who believe what we believe, but put our belief into practice. And so thank you for dialing in, for tuning in to join us today. And I'm excited to see where God is going to lead us next as we seek to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Thanks for being with us today.